Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Making Waves with Wet podcast. In every episode, you'll get a glimpse into the latest news, insights, and the real people who are making waves in the wastewater industry. Plus, you'll hear the stories and some of the behind-the-scenes secrets about how wet comes together. So thanks for listening and enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. This is Liz Bothwell from Waste 360 and Wet. And today I'm chatting with Brad Brisnett from Cole Publishing. Hey, Brad. Thanks for being here. Hey, Liz. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm so glad you're here because we need the inside scoop on the origin of wet and all all that you're doing. Sure. I'll do the best I can to fill you in on everything. (laughs) All right. So you're with Cole, like I said, Cole Publishing, the previous owner of Wet. So I'd love to hear a little more about that origin story and um, please educate me. Sure. Um, So I'm with, yes, I work for Cole Publishing. which is owned by Bob Kendall. Bob founded the wet show, which was previously, let's gone through a few name changes. When I started um, about, let's see, when I, I started in fall of 2007, almost about, almost about this time in November in 2007. So about 15 years um, ago. And at that time it was called the um, pumper and cleaner environmental expo international, um, which then changed to the, the, the name changed to the wet show, uh, which stands for, um, water and wastewater equipment um what is it now geez liz i'm I'm out of the game here water and wastewater equipment technology and transport (laughs) yeah exactly i was like holy i am out of the game i've just been calling it the wet show and not thinking about what we renamed it to for a while but yeah (laughs) when i started it was the pumper and cleaner environmental expo international um and uh and that had changed didn't change them a few a few times prior to that um kind of really evolving with um the publications that we have is is kind of how the show changed um how the show changed name so at the time i started pumper pumper magazine and cleaner magazine were really the two big flagships um hence the pumper and cleaner environmental expo uh international and at that time we were we were in louisville um when when i started working for the company and times have changed a lot so when i started i I started in november 2007 and I, i i walked into the office and they put a stack of about 200 paper registration forms on my desk and said, here you go, start entering them. <laughs> because at that time, that's how people registered for the show. It was all by paper. So um, within about three years of that, there were no more paper registration forms. Everything moved online. So so times have changed quickly. Oh, big time. And I mean, it evolved, right? Like, I mean, it started um, pumpers, septic sewer. I mean, you've seen it all change though. You've, you've been there for the ride. How has the industry? Oh, for most of it. Yeah. For most yeah. of it. I mean, the industry has changed a lot. Um, cool. A, a cool backstory as to kind of how the show started, I guess I'll give everybody, um, Bob, like I said, Bob owns Cole Publishing, him and his friend, Pete Lawan, um, kind of pretty fresh out of college, really at the time, this would have been back in, they started Cole Publishing back in 1979. Um, so we're going back a little bit farther than than myself, really. Um, they Pete owned the uh, the one septic truck in town, so he was the septic pumper, and decided that he wanted to um, sell his truck and upgrade to a newer truck. Um, but he didn't want to sell the truck to anyone in town because it would be instant competition. He was the only one that had a septic truck anywhere nearby, so uh, business was good for Pete, and he didn't want to create. <laughs> 
he didn't want to create instant competition. So him and Bob are just buddies. Like I said, pretty fresh out of college. Um, tried to just brainstorm and figure out where it would be the best place to sell this truck. And they couldn't figure it out. They, there was no newspaper. There was no magazine. They didn't want to put it in the, really the only place to, to sell it was to put it in the local paper, right? In a classified ad. And that was not what Pete wanted to do. Um, so they looked around, they made some phone calls, um, didn't really have a good idea. And then all of a sudden, one of them, one of them uh, kind of looked at the other and said, there's, there's no magazine for this. There's no newspaper for this. There's no anything. Why don't we just start one? So they started the Midwest Pumper was the original um, publication, um, which is now Pumper Magazine. But Midwest Pumper was the original newspaper. It was a newspaper. Um, I don't know how often they put it out, but it was, but that's what they did. And it was local to like Wisconsin, Illinois, um, Michigan. I mean, just upper Midwest basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and it just took off because there was, there was nothing like that. And so their, their timing was right. And manufacturers jumped on board very quickly to advertise and, um, and, 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 and pumpers all across the Midwest were trying to do what Pete was doing sell their truck, but they didn't want to sell it in their own town. Right. Uh Um, so things just kind of went crazy really fast. And um, one of their advertisers, I think it was Cape Cod Biochemical, their ODS, I think they were the ones that had jumped on board right right away um, with advertising. And, and at some point within the first year said, why don't you guys do a show? Like there's nowhere for us, there's nowhere for this industry to just get together and hang out and you know share stories and share expertise and 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 grow customer base and everything so they drove down to um bob was in his mid-20s and they'd heard about the opryland but they'd never been there before um so they drove down to nashville because they just thought in theory that sounds like the right place to do it and uh <laughs> rented a hall or rented a space in the opryland and had i think they had like 40 or 50 exhibitors the first year i mean pretty good for a first time show and you know, like a hundred attendees. And then, um, like, I think Bob told me like the next year it basically quadrupled, you know, because again, their timing was right. And they, they recognized where there was, um, not a flaw, but just a lacking, you know, central location for this industry. And people just latched onto it, you know, people went bonkers. So now we, now we sit here in 2022, the wet show. Amazing. I love that. And I love that it started with, with the need, right? He had a need and he figured out how to do it. And then it just grew and grew. I love that. Yeah. I mean, it was two, two guys sitting around going like, well, how the heck are we going to figure this out? And oh, why don't we just do it ourselves? You know? And, <laughs> and here we sit. So pretty cool. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. And wait, so when did it move to Indy? Oh boy. Let's see here. Now you're going to really make me rack my brain. Um, <laughs> The show started in Nashville, like I said, in um, the show, uh, Cole Publishing was founded in 1979 by Bob and Pete. Uh, the show, I believe the first show was 1981. Um, and it was in Nashville at the Opryland. The show moved in and out of Nashville a few times, basically as the Opryland um, grew itself. They, the show outgrew the, the convention center. They moved away. They'd add on to the Opryland as soon as Opryland had space, the show would move back because they just kind of had a kind of had a, 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 a relationship there that they loved. Um, and if you've ever been to the Opryland, you'd understand why it's a pretty cool place. Um, so I think it was there the first three years. They moved to they had the show and 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 I apologize, but I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna get the years right, so I'm not gonna even try. Um, but <laughs> they moved okay. out in Nashville. They went to New Orleans for a couple of years in the dome there where the Saints play. Um, they 
went to Biloxi, Mississippi for a couple of years. And again, in between all of these, they always went back to Nashville. So it, it, it might've gone to New Orleans, back to Nashville, to Biloxi, back to Nashville. Um, and then there was a run in Nashville where they didn't leave for about 20, I want to say it was like, oh, give or take 25 years. Let's, we'll just call it 25 years. Um, that they didn't move away from the Opryland. Um, and then at some point, let's see, I started in 07. In November, the first show in Louisville would have been uh, the 2008 show. Um, so they moved. When I started, we were getting ready for the first show in Louisville. Um, we were there from 2008 until 2012, 2011 or 12. Let's see. Like I told you, you're really going to test my brain here for a minute. Um <laughs> I think 2000, I think we were there for four years. So 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011. 2011 would have been the last show in Louisville. And then we moved to Indianapolis in 2012. Um, kind of on a whim. But I, I, we always joke and say no matter where we would have gone after um, Nashville, everyone would have hated. <laughs> and hate's a strong <laughs> word. Uh, but but everybody was so used to the Opryland. I mean, it was like Bob always jokes and says, you know, we were our complaints. We basically had the complaints. Um, narrowed down to like there's not enough garbage cans and silly little things like that because sure. every, it, the show was just so dialed in at the opera line that had been there for so long everybody loved it it's just a unique place so we always joke and say it could have been we could have moved anyway we always put out our surveys and everybody's always really good about filling out surveys and, and telling us what we were doing wrong you know um <laughs> you know all that goes with shows but the the uh it was always why don't you go to dallas why don't you go to vegas why don't you go to orlando everybody had all these ideas you know and um we always joke because we're like no matter where we would have gone after nashville it just wouldn't have been the right place because everybody loved it there <laughs> um but the show needed to expand it was just too the show was too big um we were confined in the opera land we had a long waiting list of exhibitors um we could only handle so much education just because they just didn't have the space anymore um and so we moved to louisville um to expand like i said no matter where we went after nashville everyone wasn't gonna love it as much as nashville um but louisville was great um the huge convention center there um louisville has since made some changes to their downtown area um at the time they had they didn't have the big yum center downtown which is their big arena that they built on the river there um they didn't have it when we were there um but they, they had the big convention center outside of the outside of the downtown area they had um fourth street live was kind of new for them um, big kind of entertainment district down downtown. Um, so we we did have some fun there. Um, went through some growing pains because honestly, the show just it, it expanded. Like I said, there's a huge waiting list for exhibitors. There's a huge waiting list for education. Um, so we went to Louisville and basically new city with a show that was almost twice the size that it was before. Um, and so you know you, you learn through some of those things. That we, we and then we it, honestly it was. It was cool. We really kind of settled into Louisville over the next few years. Um, and Indianapolis kind of on a whim called us, uh, called me um, and and a guy, Dustin, there that ended up being our sales rep said, you know, did you know we're having the Super Bowl? Did you know we're expanding? And yada, yada. And Bob said, there is no way I'm moving this show further north. There is absolutely <laughs> no way we're moving this show further north in February. Um, and I, but I was kind of intrigued. I'm a, I'm a sports guy, so I was kind of intrigued by like, how is Indianapolis going to hold this host the Super Bowl? Uh, <laughs> right. It is kind of you know, like, it was just kind of like, well, I grew up in Chicago, and 
I mean, I know where Indianapolis is. Like Chicago could barely, you know, Chicago can handle a Super Bowl with the weather there, and they got Soldier Field outside and stuff. And Indianapolis at the time would, you know, they had the, they had a new stadium that with Peyton Manning being there, the Colts kind of blew up. And I was still in my head thinking, like, the Super Bowl's going to Indianapolis. What the heck, you know? And uh, but they were building a, they were building a in the middle of building a new hotel. The JW Marriott um, was under construction and. Um, Dustin had a good enough sales pitch to talk us into stopping at least on the way home back to Northern Wisconsin on the way home from Indianapolis. And, uh, we stopped and kind of were like, wow, they're doing a lot of things the right way here. At the time that convention center was under construction, they doubled the size of the convention center. They were building a big host hotel. They had the downtown all connected, um, via the skywalks and everything and all the restaurants, you know, lots of, lots of cities you go to downtown to like the convention district and, sometimes it's like Liz you know you've been around to a lot of uh, shows sometimes it's not that easy to eat like like there's just right. not like it's really like you're in the convention center and it, there's nothing else around it uh Indianapolis was extremely centralized you know they had everything connected like I said they're building a new hotel the uh the actual the show that was going on when we when we went to visit was the uh FDIC which is a big fire truck show um so there oh. was there was a lot of similarities with the equipment that they had at that show um, with the wet show, a lot of, you know, water trucks for the fire guys um, for the firemen and things like that. So it was, it was a good, they brought us in at the right time to kind of show us how they could handle that equipment. Um, and like I said, the downtown's just so convenient, um, you know, and they, and they, and they have in Indianapolis has such a good attitude about shows. Like they, I'll, I'll remember one thing they said, um, one of the, one of the, employees for the city when we were sitting there they're like we don't have mountains we don't have lakes like these are our mountains and lakes are the our convention center in our downtown area is what we have to to brag about basically and uh they've done an awesome job with it so we we kind of like i said bob was so against moving the show further north but we <laughs> talked him into it and it was the right move it was it's been great in indianapolis we absolutely loved it oh that's so good to hear and i mean you're right that when the super bowl was there they built like a community right i mean it really they was. did yeah what the contractor fun? that we worked with basically they built like a whole i mean they that yeah it, it was crazy they built like a whole outside facility to be able to move people from the convention center to the to the stadium and um they a lot of things kind of blew up when they had that super bowl there it was pretty cool the town i mean the city rallied around it and a lot of people were like really and but they did it the right way and then now they're reaping the the rewards from it you know because they've got the now they have the infrastructure to handle big shows like the wet show so right and i hear even the restaurants are expanding it's become quite the little cultural stop yeah i mean our first show there was in 2012 like i said and um there's uh, so many more hotels there since 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 we were first there there's so many more restaurants um they just keep kind of rallying around that downtown district um and it's just it's it's great they're doing things the right way they do have i mean they had previously before the wet shows or they had big events there like the indy 500 and things like that so they've always been able to handle the crowds um and uh -huh. they know how to hand, move people but um they've just continued to just make the right calls around the downtown area i think Oh, that's great. I can't wait for my first wet show. Yeah, it'll be fun. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. Yeah, because yeah, actually, I wasn't even thinking that, yeah, we, we, you and I didn't really start talking until the spring. So I wasn't even thinking that you hadn't been there yet. But yeah, you're, you're, you're every single show you go to, you walk around and I tell people all the time, unless you're really 
kind of involved in the industry every show you walk around you you every 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 hundred feet or so you walk past some piece of equipment and you think to yourself what in the heck is that for (laughs) you got (laughs) to stop and watch watch a demonstration there's some pretty cool stuff pretty pretty awesome stuff around the show oh i can't wait i'm so excited good well so tell me so i think it was chrissy uh for our listeners that's um our show manager on wet she was telling me a story of one year um some special brew was made. Do you remember that? And can you talk about that? Some sort of tasting was created. Uh, we did a, uh, we did a, um, yeah. So I, I got to rack my head. You caught me off guard with that one. So we did a story in like in our TPO magazine, which is treatment plan operator, um, about just, we kind of got wind that there was a few different, um, treatment plant facilities, you know, that handled drinking water, um, cleaning water, um, and we kind of got wind that there were some water operators that were y- using their treated, you know, their treated water, clean water, like I said, drinking water, um, to make beer, like just home brew masters kind of deal. Um, and one of our editors got a hold of it and ran a little article and, uh, Jeff, who's president of co-publishing said, uh, wouldn't it be cool if we did like a, a beer tasting at, uh, at the wet show and, um, you know, to be honest, we all, we live in Northern Wisconsin and, and there's not a lot of things to do in the winter. So we all like our beer. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so we, uh, so we advertised a little bit and kind of asked people to enter the contest. Um, and we had like a half a dozen, uh, you know, independent brewmasters that were also water operators, uh, from around the country enter themselves into the competition. So, uh, we held it over at Lucas Oil Stadium. It was one of the first. We didn't always use the stadium. The football stadium is is actually connected to the convention center um, underground. There's a tunnel. You can take some escalators down and kind of go avoid the elements and go into the parking lot and come up into the football stadium. Pretty cool setup in Indianapolis. Um, and so we we didn't always utilize the football stadium. We added it on. Geez, let's see. Probably like 2014 or so, we added the stadium to the show. Um, and started doing some, some live demos and things like that over there. Um, and so we did the beer tasting over at the stadium. Um, and it was kind of funny. We, of course, like, you know, novice beer competition, uh, managers here, we didn't think to ask about the, uh, ask if we were okay to do that by any means. Cause again, we're from Wisconsin. We just figure everyone's okay with everyone drinking beer. It's fine. Right. <laughs> and, uh, like five minutes before the competition, Jeff calls me and he's like, oh, hey, they're trying to shut down the beer tasting. I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. And well, of course, you just can't just serve beer in a in a convention center if you're not like the contracted caterers. So the caterers got wind of it that we were doing it. We didn't think to ask permission from anybody. Um, they're the only ones that are allowed to serve alcohol, of course, which makes perfect sense. But you know, we don't always think about perfect sense in our heads before doing things. So, um, yeah, we, we really quick had to taste all the beer really fast and crown a champion (laughs) (laughs) before they came in, before they came and shut us down. And then they called me and I said, just do it really fast. And they called me and said, I heard you're doing a beer competition. You can't do this. I don't know what you're talking about. And then the competition was over by the time I was able to claim myself. So it's all good. But yeah, we did a little, that was one year. So it was shut down after the first year. <laughs> it was one, oh. it was one and done, <laughs> but it was oh. fun. But uh, yeah, we had like a half a dozen uh, water operators from across the country enter their, enter their, um, 
their home brews and uh it was pretty cool yeah it was, it was more it, it it created a bigger buzz than we expected it to actually it was kind of just like i said some of the guys in the office were, were brewing beer and it was kind of on a whim like like a lot of things we do uh <laughs> and it was just kind of like let's try it and we had people enter we're like hey, it's a great idea and then people were all into it we had a bunch of people over there kind of watching to see who won and did a little little write-up on them after the fact in the magazines and uh yeah it was a fun deal Oh, that's fantastic. And the thing is, you guys were ahead of your time because now it really it's so much more for the masses now. Like even on the Waste 360 side, they're talking about reusing the gray water and brewing. And there, I'm sure there are a yeah. lot more now brewers. So maybe we need to bring this back, Brad. <laughs> I think you need to bring it back and you need to ask more questions before you try to do the actual competition. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. We didn't ask... We didn't ask enough questions prior to trying to pull it off. So we tend to do that though. But like I said, <laughs> Cold Publishing was founded on a on just an idea of a few buddies. And you know, that's how the beer competition happened too. Lots of things we just trial and error, you know. Test that sounds like a good idea, test it out. Doesn't work, it doesn't work. If it works, keep it going. So, you know. Hey, I love it. And it it made you do it, right? Otherwise, if you ask too much, it may have prohibited it. So nice work. I, I like that. That's true. That's also <laughs> true. Yeah, maybe it's better to not ask questions. Just run with it and see what happens. <laughs> exactly. So since you've been on the show and with Cole, what has been your most memorable wet? Can you name one or you don't want to choose your darlings? Oh, boy. Let's see. Well, let's see. I was never I didn't ever work for Cole Publishing um, when the show was in Nashville. And I'm sure you're still kind of new to the wet show game. You will start to hear your Nashville comments, even though the show hasn't been there since uh, uh, 2007. Now, 15 years now, as long as I've been at Cole Publishing, um, we'll still hear we'll still get a guy call here and there and say, well, is the show ever going back to Nashville? Um, so that's always that's always funny so lots of people's lots of people's favorite shows were back they did a really big bash for um the 20 what would have been like the 25th anniversary i believe they did a really big kind of blowout bash at the in nashville and i heard that was a lot of fun for people i think they had trace atkins come play we used to always do a really big concert um oh. so i think trace trace atkins came and did the 25th uh anniversary so lots of people if you ask a lot of people that were along, around longer than me they'll say that show um but mine, I don't know. The um, Louis, the my first show in Louisville was uh, funny because it was like I said, the show had doubled in size in a year because we had space finally, so we could open up the waiting list, and we signed on with a new contractor. So, so prior to Cole Publishing, I worked um, for a company called CH Robinson, which is a big third-party logistics um, freight broker type of deal. And um, so when I came on to Cole Publishing, they through basically through the exhibitor side of things at me and said you kind of have a background in this the logistics the move in the move out the equipment you understand that stuff so this is what you're going to handle um and the first the first year in louisville was i was very memorable for me because it was just um a lot of like i said a lot of growing pains for everybody the show doubled in size we had a new contractor we had a new facility we you know we had to learn everybody kind of on the fly and uh and and so it's just i'll never forget that one just because everyone was kind of looking at each other like a deer in headlights like holy smokes <laughs> you know um and so that was fun just because in hindsight every we pulled it off it was a great show everybody was successful everybody was busy a lot of business um done and um so it just it was kind of like a 
holy smokes but after the fact like hey good job everybody you know um, yeah <laughs> one year in, and again i handled the exhibitor side of things right so I, I i did help with registration and education but my main my main um goal was just making sure all the exhibitors were happy and all, all happy and all the equipment got in safe and everybody and everybody else was safe when we we're moving around 10,000 pound you know pieces of or 10,000 pound pumps and with forklifts and people are walking underneath and there's, you know, everybody's safe. I really equipment's in. And then I, my job was complete. Um, one year we had a huge snowstorm. I mean, you know, shows in, in Indianapolis, anywhere in the Midwest and in February, you never know what's going to happen, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And so we had a huge snowstorm, like the second day of move in. And, um, we had a really good relationship with our with our contact at the facility. He knew we were always going to take care of things um, and not, you know, take treat the building like it was our own. But that equipment sitting outside overnight and it's all got to come inside, right? Get polished up. Everybody's got to detail everything five times before the attendees walk in, wax all the tanks and and shine all the tires and everything. And um, we were getting pounded with snow. And I said, come, you know, just start moving everything in. And our contact said, I, he, he had told me he was going to be late that morning. He wasn't going to be there till about nine. Um, and, you know, the exhibitors are at the door at 6 a.m. ready to come in because that's what they do. And uh, we had like a foot of snow overnight. So all these trucks had snow like piled on and our, and our contact wasn't there. And our, the, con- the kind of like interim contact was said, there, you cannot bring one piece of equipment into this hall with any snow on it. And uh, we looked at each other like, well, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> and so Bob, our you know, owner of co-publishing, he sent some of the boys to the to the closest Home Depot and bought all the leaf blowers they had. Um, and those guys were up on the trucks. We had Bob was even up on the trucks. Jeff was the president. He's up on the trucks. I'm up on the trucks. We're sweeping and blowing snow off all the trucks as they basically drove into the hall with us on them you know blowing snow off in the parking lot so you can't you can't count that show out because that was a that was a mess but everything came in with no snow and the show the show went on so it was good that's probably top of my list oh it has to be that is unforgettable right there yeah, they oh. called. The, I remember the guys called from Home Depot and said, "Bob, there's only five leaf blowers." He said, "Buy them all. I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> so and there we were with five leaf boots. blowers, running back and forth to the gas station across the street to keep the gas tanks or keep the gas full in the blowers as we were driving the trucks in. So that was a good time. Oh, amazing! If you have pictures, I need to see those. That is fantastic. <laughs> You know, I think we were all moving so fast that we didn't even think to take a picture because we were all <laughs> we were all scrambling. I can't think of seeing one picture of that uh, episode, but anyone who was there is not going to forget it. That's for sure. Right. Exactly. Ingrained in your brain. Oh, fantastic. So you mentioned yeah, early on stuff. that. That's awesome. So you mentioned earlier that. Um, you know, when you first started at Cole, you were getting paper registration. So like, that's just an indication, obviously, of how technology overall has changed. How do you think right. technology has changed within within this industry overall as well? Because you've seen a lot. Uh, so many things, you know, um, you see, we always kind of feel, or at least I feel, um, that you see things move a little faster, like on the sewer side of things with the cameras and the inspection equipment. And that's just by just by nature of the equipment, you're going to see things go faster from that standpoint. But even with just your basic um, vacuum trucks, you know, with just um, 
I would say safety, you know, like, so like operator safety. So like wireless remotes and, and sensors and things like that, where, you know, that stuff wasn't really, when I first started, wasn't really thought of. And now it's like all the new trucks, you don't, if they're like, at one point it turned into like a, it was like an upgrade, you know, it was pretty cool to talk about having a, a, a wireless, you know, remote for driver safety. It was just a kind of like a, Oh, they must be a pretty big operation if they got that going on. But now it's like stuff like that is just a no brainer. It's just, you don't buy a new truck unless it has some of those safety features, you know? Um, so that, so it's safety for one, but then just all, oh, I mean, any technology that you, you know, you sit at home and you watch TV and you, no one has cable anymore. It's basically just, you know, live streaming and all that, any, any wireless Bluetooth, just type of like everyday feature that you use when you're someone who sits in an office like me. Um, that stuff is all incorporated into all of the equipment at the wet show. I mean, from, from vacuum trucks, pump trucks, you know, or vacuum trucks down to just like sewer cameras. And I mean, all of that, every, all those everyday like luxuries that you just take for granted and don't think, think of, I mean, all of that stuff is incorporated into all of that equipment, which is pretty cool. That is really cool. That's great. And then is there anything that you're kind of watching that's interesting, whether it's a technology or an innovation in the industry that you're like, this is going to be big soon? Anything you can think of there? That's a tough question, honestly. Um, just there's a lot of these companies, you know, for like an attendee standpoint, a lot of them are, are family owned, independent um, uh-huh. independent companies. You know, they're not big chains or anything like that. They're not corporations. Um and so as you see kind of we've been watching like the, I'd say over the last like five years you start to see like the generation the generational kind of turnover right so you have like um if it was my parents company and now kind of I'm maybe maybe I'm I'm 41 but I'm saying like people kids who coming in like who are like somewhere between 20 and 40 years old who are starting to take over the companies and are really moving into like all of the uh, like using utilizing the software maybe that to, to make business run better or utilizing like really understanding the capabilities of like I said the safety features um, with whether it's uh, touchscreen stuff or, or or Bluetooth type stuff to just make jobs go faster so you know when their dad was running the company they could pump tw- 10 tanks in a day but now they can pump 20 because of everything that they're kind of putting into play if that makes sense like yeah. the technology they're putting into play um, I wouldn't say there's one thing that I'm keeping my eye on, but it's just kind of cool to see as, as the younger generations take over how they're just incorporating things that are just making, making it easier to do more business, you know, um, cause there's always going to be business to be had in the industry. That's for sure. You know? So, um, it's, it's, it's one thing that's never going away. It's like everybody saw during COVID. I mean, there's wastewater everywhere. There's people, you know, there's the, this industry is, 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 is in it's an industry that definitely isn't going anywhere. So it's just kind of cool to see it evolve as younger generations take over, I'd say. It really is. And like you said, it's essential. It's not going away and it's just, how are they getting more efficient, right? And and uh, safer. And I love that. Um, it's come so far already. Yeah, it's crazy. It's very cool. Very cool. Well, this has been great, Brad. Is there anything else you want to share that you're working on or about the wet show that listeners might enjoy hearing about? 
Um, you know, just get to the show. You got to be there. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I, I always think back to, there's a video somewhere on YouTube still, um, that we did back in Louisville and I'll never forget that, uh, it was, I don't, I think I remember it mostly because it was one of my first shows. Um, and Paul, who's our videographer who still works for Cole Publishing, it was one of his first shows. Um, and, and we decided that we needed to do a video just kind of talking about talk, just like a video, you know, a promotional video, talking to exhibitors, talking to attendees, why do you need to be here? You know, um, you know, what, what, what like, yeah, just why, why, like, why are you here? Why, why do exhibitors, why are exhibitors here? Why are attendees here? Um, and Jeff, who, who's the president of Cole Publishing, I'll never forget a quote. He said, he said, this is, this is the Walmart for, or if you, this is Walmart for pumpers there. This is Walmart for the wastewater industry. Anything you could possibly need to find or don't know that you even need is here. The things that the things that are here, you don't even know you need yet until you're here, right? And that kind of opened my eyes, and I thought to myself, like, oh, that, that, that's a that's a very good way to sum things up. Because I just walked around this show for a day, and there were things here that I didn't know existed, and things that opened. I was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't even know that didn't make sense before, but that makes more sense now. You know, like it just just <laughs> that comment from him really kind of summed up everything. You know, if you. Everything you didn't even need or everything you didn't even know you needed is here, you know, and uh, and that was pretty cool. Could be a very good way to sum it up. Oh, that's a fantastic way to sum that up. I love it. And now I'm going to go walking around with that perspective in my head. So I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. It's very, it's very true. It's everything you did. You know, you go into Walmart and you're like, you could walk out with, you know, $50 of stuff you didn't, you didn't go in there for. Um, and that, <laughs> that's not what I'm trying to say about the show, but like you said, everything you didn't even know you needed is here. Um, and, and, and it's very true. Like I said, you walk around every 50 feet, you got to stop and look at something and think, what in the heck is that for? And, oh, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so, oh, that's so great. Oh, yeah, and I'm sure very cool. the, the energy on site is amazing, right? Because really this is where everyone connects. So I just can't wait to see that in action. It is, you know, there's people that, um, we go every year, but there's people that we know that are attendees that go every two years or three years or five years, or they only go because their dad told them they had to go when it was his company. And and he told them, if you, even if you don't need equipment, you have to go every three years to just see what's there. Because like I said, there's things there that you didn't know you needed and, and now you know you need it. Um, but just the, yeah, the camaraderie, I mean, these stories that are shared, you know, like I said, Pete Bob founded the company because Pete didn't want to Pete didn't want to um, create competition in our little town in Three Lakes, Wisconsin here. But you know what? If there's someone there from six hours away in Minnesota, that's not a competition. But you know what? That guy has the same problem going on that Pete had in Three Lakes. Um, and and they don't have a problem sharing their their insight and their expertise with a guy who, you know, doesn't doesn't live in the town next door. That's not competition, you know? So that, that's pretty cool. I like sitting around and listening to the guys who are a guy from Wisconsin and then a guy from New York and a guy from California all have the same problems. Right. Right. Um, and they're all, and they don't, like I said, they're not, they're not sharing secrets with the, in, uh, with the competition, you know, they're, they're sharing secrets with guys who are across the country having the same problems and they all just want to do better business. You know what I mean? So it's fun. The conversations that you overhear are pretty cool sometimes. Oh, that is cool. And there is such camaraderie, right? Everyone bonds over the same challenges and they're finding solutions together. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, guys in Milwaukee, you know, fighting sewer problems there, the, fighting the same problems as guys in, in New York and Minneapolis. And, 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 and sometimes they're not, sometimes they're different, but sometimes a guy in Dallas found a solution to a problem there that maybe could also be applied to something in Detroit. 
you know, um, right. maybe it's a different problem with the same solution lots of times, uh, you know, so. Definitely. Oh, well, you made me even more excited. And thank you so much for sharing the history of wet. It's awesome. It's such a, a grassroots industry. I love all the stories of the family owned businesses and they just have a plus, a special place in my heart. So um, I can't Absolutely. wait. I'm looking forward to finally meeting you in person too. So yeah, me too. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, like I said, I forgot. I didn't even cross my mind that uh, we've been talking for probably about nine months now. And, and I never crossed my mind that you actually hadn't been to the show before. So um, <laughs> I'm very excited for you to be there. Oh, me too. I'm more equipped now. Thank you. So I will <laughs> see you then. I'm, I'm not talk to you much more by then, but thank you so much, Brad. I know how busy you are. So thanks. Yeah, you bet, Liz. Thanks for inviting me.